Anton Watson showed prolific outside shooting during the NBA G League Combine, but he did not get an invite to the NBA Draft Combine. What does that all mean for Gonzaga next season? Let's discuss. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into the Locked On Zag Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates through another offseason of Gonzaga Athletics. All right, today's episode is all about Anton Watson. We are going to start today's show talking about Watson's performance at the G League Combine. He had two scrimmage games. We got some box scores. We got some highlights. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how he was not one of the eight players selected to move on from the G League Combine into the NBA Draft Combine, whether that means he is more likely to return to Gonzaga or not. And then we're going to close out the show looking at, Anton, what it means for Gonzaga if Anton Watson were to come back and what it means for Gonzaga if Anton Watson were to leave. We did an episode about Anton Watson, a a stay or go episode a few weeks ago, but it was from the perspective of what these things mean for Watson. And I kind of want to take another look at that conversation, but more through the lens of what it would mean for Gonzaga, the other young bigs on the roster, the potential roster implications in the transfer portal, all of that good stuff. I want to apologize for the show being a little late here on Monday morning. Those of you on YouTube can probably tell I am with a different camera we are having some technical issues we're going to get that resolved very soon but apologize for the late show here but let's start talking about Anton Watson again there was a handful of college players who were all selected to participate in the G League combine many guys who are kind of in the same boat as Watson as guys who could come back some guys who definitely aren't coming back some guys who of course are out of eligibility Serge Barry Rice among them from Texas Antoine Davis the almost NCAA leading scorer from the Detroit Mercy uh, but a lot of guys who are kind of expected generally to come back in the same way that most people have been expecting Anton Watson to return but there was a group out of that uh, collection of players from the G League Combine who did get an invite to the NBA Draft Combine, which is obviously the the end goal for all of these players and the goal for anybody who was in that G League Combine. Uh, one of those players was from Overtime Elite. The other seven are all former college players. Uh, most of them guys who are going to graduate and move on anyway. You had Serge Barry Rice from Texas, mentioned him earlier, a guy who was the sixth man in the Big 12 last year, sixth man at Texas, but clearly a guy who could play in the NBA. Pair of guys from Clemson and PJ Hall and Hunter Tyson. Jonai Broom from Auburn. He was a former Gonzaga target in the transfer portal before he joined Auburn last season. Kendrick Davis from Memphis, another one of the best transfers last season. Dylan Jones from Weber State. Shout out Weber State. Damian Lillard's uh, alma mater there, a program that has been very solid in the big sky. And then Tosan Ev Bauman from Princeton, another really, really good high-level scorer from the mid-major level. So those are the guys who are going on from the G League Combine to the NBA Draft Combine. It uh, doesn't mean that the other guys performed poorly. Anton Watson's performances uh, in the two scrimmages and from the highlights that I saw, I didn't get a chance to watch like every minute of these games, so I can't say a ton about Watson's performance, but I can say what I saw uh, and what we can kind of glean from the box score here. The first game he played 20 minutes, second game he played 17 minutes. Everybody played about 18 to 20 minutes every single game, so I don't think you can really tease any information out of that. They're not, you know, they're not going to have this event and then not play any of the guys in the scrimmages. That just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, you know, he played around the same amount of minutes as everybody else. 
In his first game, he was 6 of 11 from the field. You love him going out there and getting opportunities to put the ball up. Uh, 11 shots from him, six of, 6 of them went down, 1 of 2 from deep, which is always a big deal for him. 13 points in that game. He had one rebound. He had five fouls, and he had three turnovers. He didn't have an assist. He didn't have a steal. He didn't have a block. Uh, so that was uh, you know kind of some of the things that Anton Watson's very good at we didn't quite see show up in that first game. We saw a little bit more of it in the second game, although less from him offensively in that one he played 17 minutes in his second game uh two of three from the field so much less field goal attempts but you got to love the efficiency there especially since two of those were outside shots and he knocked them both down so two of three from the field two of two from deep he also went three of four from the free throw line which for those of us who have watched a lot of anton watson we know that that is a big part of his struggles throughout his collegiate career has been from the free throw line so three of four is obviously not anything that uh, merits a huge celebration of sorts, but it's nice to see him at least knock him down in that situation when scouts are there and they're watching him. Uh, so in that game, he finished with nine points. He had three assists. He still only had one rebound in that one, but he also added a block and a steal as well as three fouls and one turnover. That means for his two game stretch here in the G league combine, 10 and a half points per game, one and a half assists, one rebound per game, shot 57.1% from the field and about, Oh, and not, not about exactly 75% from deep again, of course, three of four uh, there for him from three-point land but that's that's kind of the biggest thing for Anton Watson is showcasing that outside shooting ability uh, and, and I think the question that we have now is what's next for Anton Watson because he's participated in this G League combine he's performed good I, he didn't wow anybody he wasn't often listed as like one of the best performers from the event uh, but he also didn't he held his own more than capably he certainly didn't look overmatched he didn't look uh, out you know, unprepared or unable to play with this group of players by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that not getting the combine invite probably makes it more likely that Watson's going to return to Gonzaga. I think that the odds of him returning to Gonzaga have remained relatively high. Uh, those of you who are everyday listeners to the show, you know that we've talked a lot about Anton Watson and I've maintained that I think he is upwards of 80 to 90% likely to return to Gonzaga. Uh, he has until May 31st to make that decision. Uh, I think it is it behooves anybody who is seriously considering going the professional route to take as much time as they can to make this decision, to get as much feedback as you possibly can from scouts, from general managers, from players, from coaches, uh, from anybody out there who has the kind of insight and ability to help you make that decision. Uh, and so I think that we're going to continue to see Watson feel this out as much as he possibly can. But I do think that not getting the opportunity to participate in the combine will be a deterrent for him in terms of uh, staying in the professional rankings. I am also curious, though, because in this combine, Watson played more of a three. I think a lot of people on, the, on Twitter and in comments were like, he only had two rebounds. Like what happened? He wasn't playing. A, he wasn't playing the same role he plays at Gonzaga. He wasn't playing the five or the four. He was playing more of a wing, and you can see that if you watch some of the highlights. He had like a, a nice uh, pick-and-roll move with uh, Marquise Noel from Kansas State that made a lot of highlight packages, mostly because of Marquise Noel's incredible pass on that play. But Watson's up. He's got the ball you know, 28 feet away from the rim. He's handing the ball off Noel. He's doing kind of a give-and-go, pick-and-roll type situation. Like He's playing more of the three and not just back to the basket, low post, get, get in position and, and scoring. And obviously you see for him to be taking as many three-pointers as he was taking, Like that's more the role that he played. And that makes a ton of sense to me because at six foot eight, Anton Watson, probably his NBA aspirations would lean him being more of a three, four hybrid rather than being just a traditional straight up power forward. And I think that's the big question for him right now is can he play like an NBA three? Does he have the athleticism? Does he have the uh, offensive game? Does he have those skills in the bag? 
the three-point shooting, the fact that it showed up in this G League combine is huge. That's massive for him that he was able to do that. Again, it's a very small sample size, and scouts are going to look at his career trajectory as a three-point shooter and not necessarily assume, oh, he could totally do that. But we've seen him continue to improve. He shot 33% from deep last year. Like That's a massive improvement from where he was earlier in his career. The question I have is that Anton Watson's NBA aspirations involve him playing the small forward position, and he's not going to play that at Gonzaga. Does that alter his plans? Because if he comes back to Gonzaga, we'll talk about this more in the second segment here on the show, he's going to play a four or a five role. He's going to fill as much as he can. He's going to fill some of Drew Timmy's role as a, you know, a facilitator, a low post score, but a guy who's getting the ball on the block. If that's not who Anton Watson envisions himself being at the professional level, and that's not what scouts and general managers and coaches and whomever is telling him they're envisioning him in the NBA, which it's not because there aren't a lot of back-to-the-basket low-post scores in the NBA, then I could see Watson thinking, well, maybe I could find another opportunity, even if it's the G League, even if it's overseas, where I play a three or I play a wing role, and that maybe helps elevate my game. I'm not saying he's going to do this. I'm not saying he should do this. I'm saying that it makes sense to consider it because Anton Watson coming back to college and playing a, a role that is not really going to be translatable into the NBA may not be the best thing for him professionally. I think it's, it's important to acknowledge that it's reasonable for him to think that it reminds me a little bit of the Elias Harris situation at Gonzaga, where Elias Harris was a very clearly a power forward at Gonzaga. He did not play much of a wing role. He was more of a, he played, he played around the rim a little or outside the rim a little bit, but he didn't play a role in college that was going to translate in the NBA. He also probably should have left after his freshman year for his, at least professional aspirations did, did decided not to make that decision stayed for four years may have hurt his draft stock that way. But I think ultimately for Watson, there are some, it's not as cut and dry as come back to Gonzaga, have a bigger offensive role, boom, that translates to a higher draft spot in the NBA. It's not necessarily that simple. So there's some ins and outs here that I think uh, Watson's going to have to kind of figure out what makes the most sense for him uh, in order to to boost his NBA draft stock or boost his chances of playing uh, in the association when his college career is done. But let's talk about what happens if Anton Watson does return, because we kind of teased a little bit about what I think that role might look like. But what does that mean for Bram Ike? What does that mean for Ben Gregg? What does that mean for the younger bigs on this roster? All of that and more coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. Built. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so good, you will not think that they are healthy for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Then they have 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get specialty flavors at Built.com. So that's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk up to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you are close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All 
All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day. And for you everyday listeners, we got more transfer portal madness to cover in the coming days and weeks. We're going to continue to look at players that Zags may add in the portal. We're also going to continue to talk about the NBA draft and the combine as we are today with Anton Watson. We'll talk about Julian Strother and Drew Timmy, how they perform in the measurements at the combine, how they perform in the scrimmages, what that means for their NBA aspirations. All coming up this week and in the coming weeks here on the Locked On Zags podcast. If you want to stick with us and become one of those everyday listeners you can subscribe to the show on youtube you can also find it wherever you get your podcasts all right here we're gonna take a look in this segment at what it means for gonzaga if anton watson stays i have continued to maintain that i believe this is the most likely outcome for anton watson i i think that the nba g league combine helped him in terms of learning more about his game learning more about what nba scouts think about him not getting an invite to the draft combine not super surprising but probably does help his odds of returning so what does that mean well if anton watson returns i'm gonna say this right now he's going to start he's probably gonna take on a bigger offensive role i have seen some comments on twitter some people suggesting maybe watson could return in a bench role graham ek starts ben Gregg starts i'm gonna tell you right now that's not going to happen that's not going to happen Anton Watson is not going to return to Gonzaga unless he is going to be a starter. Mark Few does not bench players who have finally stepped into big starting roles. It's just, that's not the way that this would work from a, just from a basketball perspective, from a Gonzaga perspective, from a Anton Watson. I just don't see it happening and shaking out that way. I think that Anton Watson would start along with Graham E.K., And Ben Gregg would play that third big role like he played last year. I think some people might be concerned that Gregg not getting a big increase in playing time would be problematic. But I think two things. A, I think Ben Gregg would get a bigger role. Because I don't see Graham E.K. playing the same number of minutes as Drew Timmy did last year. E.K. does not just step into that kind of role, play that kind of role, uh, that that kind of production, that kind of minutes per game for Gonzaga. It's just not going to happen. He also is injury prone and, and is, you know, I think he's planning to be, he's expecting to be fully healthy as soon as this summer. Uh, if that's the case, then unless there's any setbacks, he should be totally fine by the time the season starts. But I don't expect him to be a 32, 33 minute per game guy. So I think if Graham E.K. starts and Anton Watson starts, you still have Ben Gregg coming off the bench, but I think he's playing a bigger role than he did last year. He's playing more minutes per game. I also think there's the possibility for Ben to play a little bit of the wing, perhaps Anton Watson as well. Those guys could play kind of a three if you wanted to go with the really big lineup. Uh, the three big lineups is something that has been rumored for Gonzaga for a long time. They talked about it with Chet Holmgren, Andrew Timmy, and Anton Watson. We never really saw that materialize. I remember tons of conversations about it with Shemek Karnowski and DeMontis Sabonis and Kyle Wilcher, uh, and the Zags kind of never really got off the ground with running that lineup. That lineup probably lacked... I have enough athleticism to really be able to run it. I think Gonzaga could get away with it a little bit more this year. If they wanted to run lineups with EK and Greg and Watson all out on the floor at the same time, it kind of depends what you consider some of the other bigs as well as Steel Venters is definitely more of a guard wing, but what about uh, yo? What about Alex Tui? If those guys are going to be in the mix as well, but I think for Greg, or excuse me, I think for Watson, he starts and I think he does pick up a bigger offensive role. I don't think he fully replicates Drew Timmy in the sense of getting the ball every single possession and having the offense be facilitated through him. I don't think Gonzaga is going to do that in part because nobody can fully replicate the immense talent and high basketball IQ and decision-making that Drew Timmy had. And also last year's team lacked some of the playmaking from the from the backcourt that you would want, and they are gaining that in Ryan Nemhard. And I think that Nemhard is going to be a guy who has the ball in his hands a ton for Gonzaga, more pick and roll, more side-to-side ball screen actions, uh, all sorts of stuff that I think we saw more in the previous Nemhard era when Andrew was the point guard. I think we'll see more of that with Ryan. 
And I think because this this uh, front court is going to be a little bit more athletic with EK, with Watson, with Greg, I think we'll see more spread out offense, more of that side to side ball screen action, uh, more potentially outside shooting and less like get the ball in the post and everybody else kind of get out of the way and let the guy with the ball go to work. That's been Gonzaga's offense for the last couple of years because Drew Timmy was so unbelievably exceptional at it that it made sense to just continue to do that until it failed. That's not real. Nobody on this team is that. Graham E.K. is not that. Anton Watson is not that. And I think that's okay. I think it allows them to run a little bit more of a a spread offense, a little bit more uh, variety in their offensive sets than they've had in the past. But make no mistake, Anton Watson is going to be a big part of this offense. He's been known for his defensive instincts. He's been known for his defensive presence, his active hands, his perimeter defense. Uh, All of that has been the big part of his game. But Anton Watson's the most efficient scorer on this team in the front court by a fairly considerable amount. Watson shot 65.3% last year on two-pointers. Excuse me. He shot 66.7% last year on two-pointers. For his career, he is a 65% two-point shooter. That is really, really efficient. And yes, early in his career, he didn't have the the volume of shots. uh, But last year, he did. And for him to shoot 66% on two-pointers last year is a testament to how hard he has worked to improve his offensive game. For reference, Graham E.K. in the season that he averaged 19.5 points and 10 rebounds, you know, the guy who has had a bigger offensive piece of a, he's had a more productive offensive season than anything Anton Watson has done. E.K. shot 52% on twos as a sophomore, 52%. Watson was 66 that is a huge difference in efficiency around the rim. Ben Gregg was, is a career 55% two-point shooter. He did have his best season last year at about 62%. So Gregg is, has improved and grown as a low-post scorer, as a two-point production scorer. But I think it's worth noting that Watson is the most efficient low-post scorer on Gonzaga's roster, and it's not particularly close. It's also worth pointing out that Anton Watson is at least showed last year he's a more capable three-point shooter. And of course, Ben Gregg is the best of the front court players in that three-point shooting production. Uh, he was a 37.5% three-point shooter last year, uh, and I expect him to be that this similar or better this upcoming season. But EK is a 25% three-point shooter. That's not really an area of his game. Uh, Watson, of course, struggled mightily in his first couple of seasons in college basketball, but last year he shot 33%. So I think you look at Anton Watson and you, you don't think, oh, if he came back, he would be like, you know, the kind of the role he's been in the past, the second fiddle or third fiddle in the front court, um, a more of a guy who comes in for defensive instincts and isn't really a big focal point offensively. If you're still holding on to that belief about Anton Watson uh, and he decides to make the decision to come back, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think that's what it's going to look like. I think Anton Watson's going to be a guy with the ball in his hands a lot, doing a lot of scoring for Gonzaga. Will he lead this team in scoring? I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I I really, truly wouldn't. If Anton Watson comes back next year, I think that could be the case. EK could be in that mix if he plays enough minutes, but there's some question about how, you know, how how able is he to play 30 minutes night in and night out. Ryan Nembhard, of course, could step into a bigger starting or a bigger scoring role for Gonzaga and and I think could be capable, but I, I don't envision him necessarily being the team leader in points. So I think that there's a very real possibility that Ben Gregg, or excuse me, that Anton Watson could come back and be Gonzaga's leading scorer in his fifth and final season of collegiate eligibility. What are the other things that this means for the Zags if Anton Watson is to return? Does it prevent the Zags from adding another big in the portal? From a scholarship perspective, no. Right now, the Zags have lost Drew Timmy. They've lost Julian Strother. They've lost Rasir Bolton. They've lost Hunter Salas, Efton Reed, and Dominic Harris. 
There's no expectation that any of those players are returning. In fact, the only one who even could, I guess Timmy and Strother both could in theory, but neither of them are expected to. So that's six guys out the door. The additions, of course, the three transfer portal additions, Steel Venters, Ryan Nempard, and Graham Ike. You also add Dusty Stromer to a scholarship. You add Alex Tui to a scholarship as well. Yo, the South Korean is already on a scholarship, so you don't need to add him. So that means that you have one spot available if Anton Watson returns and you potentially have two spots available depending on what happens with Malachi Smith. I wouldn't be surprised if the Zags keep a spot open. So I think if they end up with just one one roster spot available, it wouldn't be shocking if they just are done making additions and they consider it good, especially if Malachi Smith returns and Anton Watson returns, they're probably done. That's probably their off season right there. They go into the season with the scholarship available. Maybe they give it to a walk on who knows what, maybe they find a a late addition to make there. Uh, That wouldn't shock me, but I think that if they are going to make an addition and Anton Watson is returning, I don't think it's going to be in the front court. I think they would make an addition. They'd be more likely to make an addition to the back court in that situation, especially if Malachi Smith does not return. If Watson comes back, Smith leaves, I think the Zags have to add a guard. They have to add a guard. Because right now you have Ryan Nampard, you have Nolan Hickman, Dusty Stromer's your third guard. I think he's very good, but do you want your third guard to be a true freshman and not really even have a fourth guard behind him? Steel Venters could play some of that guard role potentially, but he's more of a wing. So I think that that's more the priority. And then in terms of the young bigs on the roster, Anton Watson coming back, yeah, it absolutely crushes the playing time for some of these guys. But the portal window is closed. So Braden Huff's not entering the portal if Anton Watson comes back. Caden Perry's not entering the transfer portal if Anton Watson comes back. I don't know that either of them would be – I don't think it would be a viable option for them to have entered the portal in the first place, which is why I'm not surprised that they did not. Huff, because he has not played in college basketball at all. Perry, because his injury history is just so significant that I don't think a team would necessarily be super willing to take a big chance on him. So fourth big hasn't really been a prominent role at Gonzaga lately. Efton Reed played very little in a fourth big role last year. Ben Gregg prior to last year played very little in a fourth big role. So what does that mean for Perry and Huff? It probably means that they're not going to play all that much. One of them might not play like at all because the fifth, fifth big is just not, is basically not a role at Gonzaga. Does it mean they eventually transfer out? Hard to say. If Brayden Huff plays fourth big minutes this upcoming season, the way that Efton Reed did, is that going to be enough for him? Is he going to want to stay and continue to develop in the system? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know enough about who he is, uh, his how he feels about being in Spokane, all these other factors that just that contribute here that are just not something that I'm privy to. But it's hard to imagine that a return by Anton Watson gives either Caden Perry or Braden Huff much of an opportunity to play. It also stymies the potential playing time for Yo and Tui because those are guys who I think are more tweeners, three, four hybrids, but I'm not sure that either of them are going to get a ton of run. I think Yo is probably going to play more than Tui, and I think there's a real chance that Tui plays very little, potentially even red shirts in year one, uh, and Yo kind of fills that eighth, ninth role uh, off the bench as like a three, four hybrid type situation. So what does it mean if Anton Watson does come, or excuse me, if Anton Watson does not come back, if he stays in the draft process, if he tries to go to the G League or tries to go to the NBA or even goes overseas, let's discuss all that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, Stoney Patton still locked on Zags, still here talking about Anton Watson and what it means for Gonzaga if he were to return to school, which is what we just talked about, and now what it would mean for Anton Watson if he does not. Well, if Anton Watson does not come back, Graham E.K. and Ben Gregg as your starting front court. There's just no debate. That's Those are the two guys right now on this roster, Graham E.K., Ben Gregg, that is your starting front court. 
Caden Perry, Braden Huff compete for minutes as the third big, and it creates a much bigger playing time opportunity for Yo and Tui. I think if the staff felt comfortable with Yo playing a small ball four, and again, for, for those who are a little unfamiliar about Yo, he's, he's 21, even though he's about to start his first year of college basketball. So he's a more experienced guy. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical. He's six foot eight. He put up really big numbers in the U19 tournament a couple of years ago in FIBA, uh, big rebounding numbers. He's got the outside shooting game as part of his game. So that he's not just like a low, low post score, which is why I think he could probably play some more three potentially. But I think there's a possibility for him to step into a bigger role. If Watson were to leave as like a, a small ball four and play, I mean, he could potentially be the third big if the Gonzaga was comfortable with it. Now, if you have six foot nine, Grammy K six foot eight, Ben Gregg, six foot eight, yo, as your three bigs, you're going to have some issues against bigger teams. You're going to struggle against the big boys. uh, And that might be an issue for Gonzaga, which kind of leads to the final point, which is if Anton Watson leaves, the Zags are probably adding a big in the portal. They should be at least, and they should be adding a defensive minded big. And they should be adding a defensive minded big who is over seven feet tall. That is, in my opinion, what the Zags should do if Anton Watson leaves. It would be really difficult to, to fully replace Anton Watson via the transfer portal. Because he is so good as a perimeter defensive player, he is so good at understanding Gonzaga's offense and what they need. He's so experienced. He's so talented. He's so good offensively, burgeoning, growing in that area, already so good defensively as an instincts player. Uh, Losing him would be tough to replicate. But there are options for Gonzaga. Now, I mentioned a seven-foot rim protector or a seven-foot defensive-minded player, and those are the options that I think Gonzaga should pursue the most. But the biggest name they have been connected to right now in the transfer portal is none of that. It's Grant Nelson. Grant, I mean, I shouldn't say none of that. Grant Nelson was a rim protector at North Dakota State. He's 6'10", so he's not quite seven foot, but he's more of a outside shooter. He's Chet Holmgren light. Is kind of the best way to describe him. He's a ball handler. He's uh, he, he plays more like a guard despite his size, but he also has that rim protection ability, at least he did in the Summit League. There's some question of how much that translates over to higher levels. I think the WCC, he could still be a solid rim protector. Uh, the outside shooting is a bit more questionable for him, but if the Zags add Grant Nelson, it sucks to lose Anton Watson, but that would give them a more dynamic offensive player, a guy who could be a bit more of a playmaker than Anton Watson has been, uh, and I think a guy who's more of a rim protector, but he is a significantly worse overall defensive player than Anton Watson. So you still lose a a big chunk on that end of the floor. There are tons of other players Gonzaga has been connected to. I was planning to mention Naheem McLeod here in this segment as a guy that Gonzaga has reached out to as a connection to their new assistant coach, RJ Barsh, uh, who was at Florida State when McLeod was there. But McLeod, right before I hit record, it was announced that he has committed to Syracuse. So he is no longer an option for Gonzaga. A couple other players we have talked about, everyday listeners have heard me talk about Connor Vanover from Oral Roberts, seven foot three center with good rim protection ability there. You've all heard me talk about Aziz Bandago from Utah Valley, a guy that I believe could be a tremendous starting center at the, at this level. Who's already being recruited by Duke has contacted him. A couple other big schools have already contacted him as well. Uh, David Muka, who I talked about, Muoka, excuse me, who I talked about out of UNLV as a potential option as well. Uh, There's a lot and there's more. There's more coming this week. We'll continue to talk about transfer portal update players. Uh, Mac Atini from Utah, or Utah from UCLA is an option. Uh, Uday from Kentucky, Kansas. We're going to get that right. Uh, he's an option. Julian Phillips out of Tennessee is a potential option as well. We're going to talk about more transfer portal options for Gonzaga this week in the backcourt and in the frontcourt, what it might mean for Anton Watson. We'll talk about what this 
the process here might mean for Malachi Smith as well and what that means for Gonzaga. All sorts of good stuff coming your way uh, here on the Locked on Zags podcast as we continue to look at transfer portal updates, NBA draft stuff. The should he stay, should he go conversation kind of permeates all of college basketball right now uh, as we kind of get through this this kind of intense period of the offseason when teams are trying to reshuffle and rebuild their rosters. So we're going to continue to bring it to you five days a week right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Also available on YouTube as well. Don't forget to go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet on YouTube. All right, I want to thank every single one of you for listening. More fantastic stuff coming your way later this week. And of course, as always, go Zags.